Heavenly Father, we pray as we come to your word that we would rejoice in it. As one who rejoices in great riches, O Lord, it is such a valuable book that is before us. It is worth more than gold, more than silver. It is so valuable to us because it has the words of eternal life. So, Lord, we pray that you would open our hearts to yourself, open our hearts to the truth that is contained in your word today, so that we would rejoice in it, as we should. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning for Good Friday, I thought it would be helpful for us to look at one of the clearest teachings in the Old Testament about the death of Jesus Christ, about the death of Jesus Christ. And that is, of course, Isaiah 52 and 53. And so I encourage you, if you've got a black church Bible, open it up to page 731, page 731. Or if you brought your own Bible, open it up to Isaiah 53. And we'll be concentrating particularly this morning on verse 6. Verse 6 of Isaiah 53, found on page 731 of the Black Bibles there. Isaiah 53, verse 6 says, We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The scripture here says that we all are like something. What is it that we're like in verse 6? We are all like sheep. And we're like a particular type of sheep. What is that type of sheep? Well, like sheep, we have gone astray. What does this mean? What does it mean that we are like sheep that have gone astray, that each of us has turned to his own way? Well, we are like sheep in the fact that we go off the path. Sheep are notorious for going where they shouldn't go. They need a shepherd around them to tell them what is the right place to be. Why do they wander off? What are the reasons? Well, there's quite a number of different reasons that a sheep would wander off. Firstly, it's very much that a sheep is focused on grass. Grass is what it thinks about most of the time. And so if it sees attractive-looking grass in a place that it's not supposed to be, it won't really worry about the fact that it's in a place that the sheep shouldn't be. It will go after that grass. The grass is quite attractive to it, and so it will wander happily off the path. Also, sheep are notorious for being frightened easily. And so if they are frightened in some way, whether it be by a person or another animal, or they just suddenly jump out of their skin for no particular reason at a clap of thunder, they will wander off the path as well, or they'll dart off the path more so than wander. And of course, sheep are notorious for following the crowd. Sheep will just wander wherever the other sheep are going without thinking about whether it's a good idea or not to follow the other sheep as they go after some grass that is particularly attractive. So how are we like sheep? How are we like sheep that have gone astray, each of us have turned to his own way? Well, we are like sheep in the fact that we have been foolish and sinned against God and wandered off the path that he gives us. God has given us, as our creator, he is our shepherd, he has given us a particular path that we are to follow. We are supposed to follow his laws and be obedient to him. But instead, we think we know better and we wander off the path. And we do know what God would have us do. We know it from the scriptures. If we read the Bible, it's very clear what God would have us do. It doesn't take very long before you see some of the laws that God gives to his people. But we also know it from our conscience. People who do not have the law of God have the law of God written in their hearts. They understand that murder is wrong. They understand that lying is wrong. They understand that stealing is wrong. They understand that being rude to others is wrong. 
We all know that we are like sheep that have strayed off the path. And why do we do so? Well, we're very much like the sheep in the same reasons that a sheep will stray off the path. We think that the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. We think that sin is very attractive. Sin looks lovely to us and like it will give us pleasure and that we can enjoy things. If we walk off the path of God, we will enjoy ourselves much, much more. Those who stay on the path have horrible lives, whereas those who walk off the path and indulge in sin will be able to enjoy grass that is far greener, far more delicious than the grass that the shepherd wants to give us. And we also dart off the path because we are frightened like sheep. When you think about it, how many of your sins are committed out of fear? Just consider the sin of lying. How often do you lie because you're afraid of the consequences that may come if someone finds out the truth? You're afraid of what people might think of you. You're afraid of what people might do to you. And so you lie so quickly because you're afraid, like that sheep that's suddenly frightened and darts off the path. You dart off the path all too easily out of fear. And also, we're like sheep in the way that we wander off the path for the reason of following the crowd. So many people follow the crowd. Bad company corrupts good character. If you hang around people who are indulging in sin regularly, who think that what they're doing is not wrong, it won't be long before you follow them like the sheep that just follows off with the other sheep, off the path of where the shepherd would have them. How many teenagers are indulging in sin because of the other teenagers? We talk about peer pressure. It's so obvious to us when it's at the teenage years, but it happens in adult years as well. You hang around people. You will follow the crowd and wander off the path. So much of the world is governed by these three factors, by what feels right, what feels good, what feels safe, and they indulge in sin, or what feels popular. They have no time for the guidance of God, no time for the shepherd, for the great shepherd, their creator, who knows best for them. Now, is it a bad thing? Is it a bad thing to wander off the path? If the grass is nicer over there... Why is it so horrible to wander off the path? Well, if you wander off the path, if sheep go astray, then they do fall into trouble, quite literally often. There are many dangers off the path. If a sheep is not listening to the shepherd and, and goes where it thinks is best, it quickly falls into trouble. It can fall into a pit or off a cliff that is there, and it's not, not, it does not know about that pit there. The shepherd knows that it's there, but the sheep does not, and it falls into danger quite quickly. Or it could be that there are wolves outside the fence that the shepherd knows about, but the sheep does not, and the sheep has worked out a way to get under the fence and into the greener patch of grass, only to be quickly hurt by a wolf that is eager for its blood. Or it could be that the... the the plants that the sheep think are, are so wonderful are actually toxic, are actually harmful to the sheep. It's going to eat something that looks very nice, but once it swallows it down, it will actually hurt the sheep. And so it is a bad thing for the sheep to go astray, to each, for each sheep to turn to his own way. And it's the same for us today. We are like sheep that have gone astray. We have turned to our own way 
and that punishment does come back on us for going off the path. There is danger outside God's path. The painful consequences of sin do come down upon our head. It's very easy to see the painful consequences of sin. On a a great scale, you can see it when someone commits murder. What happens? Well, those who live by the sword die by the sword. If you continue going around killing enough people, eventually someone's going to kill you. Someone's going to be avenging the blood that you have shed. And you see this with people who rise in the life of crime. One of their problems is trying to get an exit strategy as to how they get out and live a relaxed and retired life without anyone wanting to kill them. It's quite easy to see how if you wander off the path into murder, it's not long before danger starts to come your way. But we can see it on a lesser scale as well. The sharp sin of pain occurs day by day, week by week, if we've got eyes to see it. You thought it was okay to lie to your employer, and now you don't have a job. You think it's okay to fight with your friend. It feels good to have a good quarrel, but now your friend won't talk to you. You thought it was okay to steal from your mum, but before you know it, you're being punished because she's worked out that you've been taking what is not yours. It's very easy to see how wandering off the path of God's law brings pain. What has been your most painful experience, even in this last week, as a result of your sin? Can you think back over this last week and think of something that you did, how you wandered off God's path and have discovered that the shepherd knew best after all, that there is pain associated with sin? But even if you're not quite aware of the bitter taste of sin, the pain will eventually come. The Bible tells us again and again that some people may be evildoers and they seem like they're going to prosper day after day and year after year and it seems like nothing will harm them. But their day of reckoning does come. The book of Psalms is very clear on this. Different Psalms talking about how people seem to prosper who do evil. But the Lord knows best, and eventually that pain will come upon their head for their sin. And of course, the Bible tells us that even if you somehow manage to cheat the pain of sin a lot in this world, there is a pain that is to come, the eternal punishment under the wrath of God for those who have strayed from his path. So we all, like sheep, have gone astray, all of us, says there in verse 6, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. We're like a great big flock of sheep that are wandering off a cliff. We all break God's law, and we all are in danger because of our wandering from the path that the Creator has given us. But today is meant to be Good Friday, and this doesn't sound very encouraging this morning to reflect on the fact that we are all like sheep, that we have all gone astray, each of us has turned to his own way, and therefore we are in great danger that we are going to experience the pain of sin again and again in our lives and in the next. So why is Good Friday good? Well, it's because of the next part of verse 6. Verse 6 says, We all like sheep have gone astray, each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on us the iniquity of us all. No, it's not, and the Lord has laid on us, the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Iniquity is another word for sin. And this is why Good Friday is good. God has not laid our sin upon us if we trust in Jesus. No, instead, the iniquity that should be on our head 
is laid upon Jesus Christ. Good Friday is good because another sheep has entered into the world and lived a perfect life, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. He took on flesh and dwelt amongst us. He became a human, incarnate, like us. He became a sheep. And unlike us, he never strayed. He never went to his own way. He always stuck to the path of the Lord. But then God sent him to the cross to die the death that sinners deserve, to experience the wrath of God poured out upon him. Consider all the sins that you have committed, crying out for vengeance. If you can just consider some of them, the sins that cry out for vengeance upon you, like the sin that cries out for the avenging of a murderer. Think that when someone commits murder, the blood cries out for vengeance. All our sin cries out for vengeance. Like the, in the Old Testament, there's the avenger of blood, the one who... Uh, the family member of someone that's been murdered, seeks out the blood of the murderer. That is what our sins are crying out for. They're crying out for justice. All the unkind words we've said, all the dishonouring we've made of others and of God, the anger we've had, the theft we've committed, the lies we've told, the sexual immorality we've involved ourselves in, the jealousy that we've had of others, the covetousness of the things that do not belong to us. All those sins cry out for blood, for our heads to have justice heaped upon it. And we only understand a fraction of those cries because we only understand a fraction of our sin. It's so terrible that so many of our sins we just don't even notice. And yet they cry out for our heads. But if we trust in Jesus Christ, the perfect Lamb of God. Those shouts for justice are poured out upon him, it says in this verse, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. If we trust in Jesus Christ, Jesus knows each and every one of our sins. Why? Well, because he's God and he knows all things, but also because he experienced the pain that each of those sins deserves at the cross. That when he was on the cross... He was very much aware of each of your sins if you trust in him. And so we need to do so if we are to have salvation, if we are to be saved from our sins, if we are not to have the iniquity of our sins laid upon us, it needs to be laid upon Jesus Christ. It needs to be that our hand is put upon Christ's head and transfer of guilt is made. This is what happened in the Old Testament with the sacrifices. If you go back and read the book of Leviticus and you read about how sacrifices were meant to be made, where they got the, the animal and you put the hand of the sinner on the head of the animal and the transfer of sin was made and then the animal was set free and lived a glorious life. No, the animal was slaughtered because sin requires death and judgment and pain. And this is what happens on Good Friday, many, many years ago. If you trust in Jesus Christ, your sin is laid on his head. See, we're all like sheep, and we've all gone astray. We're all like sheep that have fallen into a pit and should eventually succumb to eternal death, 
to eternal punishment in hell. We're like sheep that are struggling in a pit of sin and misery. We're like the more ponies that I read about recently in a Sherlock Holmes novel. I've been reading Sherlock Holmes. It's actually quite entertaining. I got onto it by accident. Um, and I'm trying not to read too much of it. I have a struggle with fiction as to how much I should read, how much I should indulge in. But I've been reading Sherlock Holmes. And in The Hound of Baskervilles, Dr. Watson, so that's Sherlock Holmes' sidekick, is speaking to a man who lives on a very dangerous English moor. And he's speaking to him particularly about a mire on the moor. A mile on the moor. And so looking at the English moor, this person says to uh, Dr. Watson, that is the great Grimpen Mire, said he. A false step yonder means death to man or beast. Only yesterday I saw one of the moor ponies wander into the mire. He never came out. I saw his head for quite a long time craning out of the bog hole, but it sucked him down at last. Even in dry seasons... It is a danger to cross it, but after these autumn rains, it is an awful place. And yet I can find my way to the very heart of it and return alive. By George, there is another of those miserable ponies, the man cried out. Something brown, this is Dr. Watson recounting it, something brown was rolling and tossing among the green sedges. Then a long, agonized, writhing neck shot upward and a dreadful cry echoed over the moor. It turned me cold with horror, but my companion's nerves seemed to be stronger than mine. Picture that, a pony stuck in the bog, and it can't get out, and it's straining every which way, trying to get out, and eventually succumbs to death within the bog. Because of our straying, because of our wandering off the path of God, We're stuck in the mire of misery and death, struggling to get out. We turn for solid ground this way and that. We look at ways of trying to get above the cries for justice that our sin has against us. We turn to ourselves to try and lift ourselves up out of the bog, but we cannot. We turn to friends, to family. Help us overcome our sin. Distract me in some way so that I no longer believe that I am in the bog, this mire of sin and misery. Or we turn to false religions, hoping that they will lift us up out of the mire of sin and misery. But all they do is tell you that you have to work harder. We're already struggling hard enough as it is. Or we turn to money to save us, to pleasures to drown out the fact that our sin is crying out against us, to pleasures of television or video games, but they can't satisfy, to the things of this world even turn to trying to disdain the things of the world as a way to fill the vacuum within our hearts that only God can fill. I've been watching a documentary recently on minimalism, and it's very interesting and talking about how we should not uh, succumb to this complete materialism in this world where people are buying more and more, they're always chasing more and more things of this world, that minimalism, letting things go, is the way of life. This is a good way to be. And it talks about the fact that there's a hole within our hearts, that there's a a vacuum there, and minimalism fills it. But I don't think it does. I think, yes, it's good to be careful about the things of this world and to be engrossed in them and to minimise our love for worldly pleasures, but minimalism in itself, it's not going to fill the meaning for life because your sins are still crying out against you. They're still crying for blood as you experience the cries of justice against you. 
So how do we get out of the mire? Well, as I said before, it's only by the Lamb of God. It's only he who can save us from our sins. Christ deliberately fell into the pit of sin and misery as a fellow sheep. And by faith, by trusting in him, we can stand on Jesus as Jesus is covered in our sin at the cross. Picture that. You are in the mire. You're in the bog. You're struggling to get out. And you've looked every other way and you can't get out. But another animal gets in. And upon that animal, you can actually stand. But that animal is submerged beneath the sin and misery. And so you can actually stand up and live. still remember watching a documentary when I was little. I'm watching a few documentaries, it sounds like now. But this is when I was very little. I used to watch animal documentaries. And, uh, and this was one set in Africa with wildebeest. And these animals that do these large pilgrimages across the plains. And eventually they come to a river. And what do they do? They jump in. They just keep coming because there's more behind them. They can't stop the ones at the front. And they just keep piling in. And they can't get up the cliffs on the other side because they're too high. So what do they do? Well, they just keep coming. And so the first wildebeest are there. And they sort of stay in the water. But then more wildebeest keep coming and coming and coming. And they eventually stand on the other ones and get up off the cliff, up onto the cliff on the other side of the riverbank. And so what happens to the ones that are there first? Well, they die. They bear the weight of the others so that the other animals can live. They walk over the tops of the dead bodies in the river so that they can actually get to the other side. So the herd continues to prosper and to live because of the sacrifice of the first ones at the beginning of the pack. And that's what happens with Jesus Christ. He is the Lamb of God that we stand on. He is the one that has taken the fall for us. He did not stray himself, but he has gone into the pit that we have fallen because of our sin. And we stand on him. And wonderfully, he actually rises up from the pit, which we will learn about more on Easter Sunday. And he raises us with him because no one can keep him down in that pit of sin because he is the Son of God. His death is of infinite value and he can actually rise from the pit with us standing on him. He has enough power to raise everyone who is in the pit of sin and misery and puts their trust in him. Not even the great dragon, Satan himself, could hold Jesus down. It's one of the other horrible aspects of those wildebeests that I watched in the documentary going through the river. There's a lot of predators that live in that river, particularly crocodiles. And they eat many of the wildebeests that come through that river. And Satan snatches away at Jesus in the bog, but he cannot keep him down. He cannot keep him down. Jesus, the Son of God, rises from the pit of sin and death and with us on his shoulders. Senseless sheep who wandered astray, but have now had the sense to put our trust in Jesus. And so now we can rise up out of the bog of sin and misery. So the pain of sin, the pain of wandering off the path, is to awaken us to the goodness of the shepherd's advice. The shepherd is a good shepherd. He doesn't tell us to stay on the path without good reason. It's for our benefit to stay on the path. And when we wander off, the pain that comes is to remind us to stay on the path and to listen to what he has to say. So has it? 
Has the pain that you've experienced in your life of sin, has it encouraged you that you need to listen to the shepherd and listen particularly to his instruction as to how you are to escape the consequences of your sin? Or are you going to continue going astray? Falling into pit after pit after pit after pit until you fall into a pit which you cannot get out of. That is the pit of hell, the abyss, the bottomless pit where there is no end, where you cannot be raised. There is a chance for you now to get out of the pit of sin and misery and that is by coming to Jesus Christ. Is today a good Friday for you because you know what it is to have Jesus lift you up from your sin, to have your iniquity laid on his head? Or is it still a bad Friday because you're struggling in the pit of sin? Don't let it be. Stand on Jesus Christ. Admit you have wandered off the path and that your sin brings severe consequences, severe pain. And ask Jesus to take your sin upon his head, to take the sin away from your head and put it on his head, that you can stand on his shoulders, that he is the rock upon which you stand. All other ground is sinking sand. And if you are a Christian, never forget what you once were and what Christ has done for you. We all, like sheep, have gone astray, myself included. Each of us have turned to our own way. But thankfully, the punishment that we deserve, the iniquity that we have, was laid on him. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. It's amazing to consider that God could have passed over us and left us in the pit of sin and misery. God could have looked at us and said, if you're a Christian you're here this morning, he could have looked at you and said, senseless, foolish sheep. I told them what was the right way, but they thought better. They thought that sin was delicious, that it was lovely. And now look at them. They deserve what they get. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, he didn't do that. Instead of saying, let the blood be on their head, he said, let the blood be on my head. And Jesus Christ, and Jesus willingly bent his head so that the pain that you deserve for your sin would be taken upon his head. Oh, the mercy, the wonder of the love of God, his kindness, his compassion in doing that for us. I don't think we understand really ever how close a shave we actually had. But it's wonderful to try and consider it how terribly sinful we were, but how terribly gracious God has been, that he could have passed over us, but instead laid himself down and gave his life for us. It is a wonderful thing to consider, particularly on this Good Friday. We must thank the Lord as much as we can and live lives for his glory, understanding that it was for our sin that he died, even when he didn't need to, but because of his love, he did indeed. Let's come to him in prayer. Let's speak with him now. Heavenly Father, we must confess that we, like sheep, have gone astray.
Each of us has turned to his own way. We have done it again and again. We did it before we became believers in Jesus Christ and we've done it since. And we deserve the iniquity to be laid on our head and be punished eternally for it. But Lord, we have trusted in Jesus. Lord, so many of us in this room have trusted in him and so the iniquity is laid upon his head by yourself. Lord, we pray that we would continue to rejoice in this truth. Rejoice in the salvation that you have granted us, that you have lifted us up out of the pit, out of the depths. You have raised us through Jesus Christ, that he is the precious Lamb of God and on his shoulders we stand. He is the rock, the foundation stone by which we have life. And so, Lord, we pray that you would help us to continue trusting in him, continue rejoicing in this wonderful salvation that we have experienced in Jesus And, Lord, help us not to keep it to ourselves, but to tell others to come back to the Good Shepherd. And if there are any in this room this morning, O Lord, who have not come to Christ, that are still in danger because they have wandered off the path, O Lord, we pray that you would impress it upon their hearts even now. Give them a conviction of sin. Give them a conviction of the danger that they are in. And may they flee to Christ as the only one who can take the iniquity that they have caused. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.